0: For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Only one verse today. Jude 3. Say one 3 just to help us out, but it's actually just Jude 3. There's no other chapters in Jude And in the third verse of the book of Jude, he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. To contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. In 2017, Jessica and I uh, took off to Germany and a little bit in France, but we were able to sort of follow Luther's steps from Wittenberg and then to a couple places where he administered and preached, and we ended our our time in Germany in the city of Worms. We say Worms, (laughs) the city of Worms. And there it was at Worms where Luther stood trial. There's a garden there. The bishop's palace that was there is no longer there, but now there's a garden and an art museum. But there are some markers in the garden that give some history and some information about what went on at the time of the Reformation. And in in 2017, when we went, they were about to celebrate the 500th year of the Reformation, 1517, 2017, from when Luther nailed his theses to 2017. And there was a special event planned for this area, and so on our last trip, you can imagine me, the pinnacle of the trip, we get to go to Worms, I get to go to the place where Luther stood and where he delivered that famous speech, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me, and the garden was closed. Once-in-a-lifetime trip to Germany, and the garden is closed. I was almost as disappointed as I would be two days later when we went to Disneyland Paris, and Pirates of the Caribbean was closed. I don't know which, is, which was more important to me. But I told Jessica, we did not come all this way to have this thing closed. So there were people inside setting up for the event. There were people moving things back and forth. I said, we're just going to go in there. And Jessica's not like this. I am. Like just look like you were supposed to be there. Just look like you're doing something. We walked around. We looked at some places. We snuck in. And there was this monument. I think I have the picture. We have the picture. There's two big shoes. Of all the things you could do for a monument to this, there's two big iron shoes in the ground. And in front of you, there's this plaque that has Luther's final words there at the trial. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. And the point of the monument is this. We have big shoes to fill. And the fight for the truth is never over. The fight for the gospel is never over. It began with Christ and his apostles. continued through the church fathers who fought for orthodoxy in the face of heresy and false teaching. It continued down to the Reformation. It continues to this day. Luther served his purpose. Luther fulfilled his calling. But we have a calling too. We have big shoes to fill. We still have a fight to fight. Now that language has fallen out of favor in many churches. Luther was famous for saying... Peace, if possible, truth at all costs. And I'm afraid many of our churches have whittled that down to simply say peace at all costs. With a disregard for truth at all. But there's something to fight for there, isn't there? Peace, if possible, truth at all costs. Because on the other side of that fight is compromise, complacency whether it's in our doctrine, whether it's in our lives, whether it's in what we believe to be truth. The problem in the modern church is that we have stopped fighting for truth. Now, the modern church is good at fighting. We're good at fighting for our political party. We're good at fighting for our candidate. And we'll argue till we're blue in the face all day about those things. But when it comes to truth, Biblical theology, sound doctrine in the face of error, we suddenly lose our voice. I'm not talking about a political, cultural Christianity today. I'm talking about the truth of God's Word which lasts from generation to generation. Now, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We have that promise. We have that assurance. There is no if, ands, or buts there. Christ will build his church. But he uses men to do it. He used the prophets in the Old Testament. He used the apostles, the church fathers, the reformers, the Puritans. And now what does he have to work with but us? And just as they fought, we must also know When we must fight. Jude says, I had to write to you, to appeal to you, to contend for the faith. When must we fight? Number one, when it's necessary. Jude says, I wanted to write you concerning our common salvation. I wanted to write things that we can all agree on, Jude says. That's what I sat down to write. But the Holy Spirit has prompted me and urged me, Jude says... And now I feel I must urge you to contend for the faith. I feel it's necessary. Jude is dealing with false teachers in the church, much like Paul was always dealing with false teachers in the churches. And John, as Zane's going through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, John with the youth is always dealing with false teachers and people of God, the flock, the body of Christ, who are always seemingly tossed to and fro, Paul says, by every wind of doctrine. And Jude says, in light of that, I feel it necessary. He says, I feel compelled There's a compulsion, there's a force, there's a driving power there. Like Jeremiah would say, there's a fire shut up in my bones. Jude says, I must tell you to contend for the faith because it's necessary, it's needed. When truth is on the line, we are compelled to fight. Number two, we must fight when it's for the gospel. Jude says, to contend for the faith. Whenever you see that definite article there in front of faith, it doesn't just mean your faith or my faith or just some generic belief. It means the set standard of doctrines that was the gospel. To contend for the word of God, to contend for the truth, to contend here for the gospel, the core of who we are and what we believe and what we stand for. And what is that gospel? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and on the third day rose again according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. And we say, really? Did we come here for you to tell us the basics? We need to be reminded of the basics because so often churches lose their focus on those basics. And there's such a thing out there called liberal Christianity that denies these core truths. And you can find articles and pastors and so-called leaders of seminaries and interviews where someone asks a supposed Christian leader, is it necessary for Christians to believe the resurrection to be a Christian? And these supposed pastors and seminary presidents will sit and say, no, as long as you believe that resurrection is this inward spiritual rebirth that's all it was about it wasn't someone about someone really rising up from the dead but Paul says this if Christ is not raised our faith is in vain we're lying and we're all still in our sins it made a difference to Paul if Jesus really rose from the dead or not it made a difference to Paul if Jesus really died for our sins or not and that is the gospel for which we must fight because if we lose that gospel if we lose that truth and we've drifted off into what Paul calls in Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9 another gospel and he says to the Galatian church I'm surprised I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel he says not that there is another gospel But so-called Gospels. And then he goes on to say, I think it's in verse 9. Just pull that one up. If we or anyone else preaches to you a different Gospel, a different Jesus than the one you've heard. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Justification by faith in him alone. If someone preaches to you a different Gospel, Paul says, well, that's their opinion. Paul says, that's okay. Paul says, well, we all think differently, don't we? Paul says, you have your truth, I have mine. No, Paul says, if anyone preaches to you a different gospel, even if it's an angel from heaven, let them be accursed. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, 5, there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And so we have one salvation, one gospel worth fighting for. And it's all we have. If we lose that, we can sing all the pretty songs and say all the nice prayers and preach all the nice sermons or homilies that we want to, but there's no power because there'll be no gospel. We must fight when it's for the gospel. Lastly, we must fight when it's for the church. Jude says, I want you to contend for the faith which was delivered once for all to the saints, the saints, the holy ones, the assembly of God's people, the church of God, that we must be sure as we fight and when we fight that we are not fighting for our own self-glory or our own image or simply to win an argument or a political cause Or any other cause that we can invent for ourselves, but we must be sure that we are fighting for the saints, for the people, for the family of God. And this is no light thing. In Acts chapter 20, verses 27 through 31, you can just pull up verse 28. As Paul is leaving the the church at Ephesus, he gathers all the pastors, the elders of the church at Ephesus, and he charges them Listen, I've preached to you, Paul says, the whole counsel of God. And so in verse 28, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to your flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he says, this flock is nothing less than the precious people of God, which he bought and purchased with his own precious blood. There's a weight and a seriousness there. this fight because it's not just for my reputation as your pastor. It's not just for our reputation as a church in our community. It's not just for the life of the Southern Baptist Convention or Christianity around the world. We fight. We stand for truth because this is the very flock and people and bride of Christ which he purchased with his own blood and the price that was paid gives it its value how precious is that so that when Jesus was looking out over the people of Israel in Matthew 9:36 looking out over the crowds he wept and he was concerned for them because he says they're like a they're like a flock they're like sheep without a shepherd Their own religious leaders had failed them, and they'd been failing them for a long time. The prophets of the Old Testament repeatedly called out the religious leaders of Israel, saying, you're like ravenous wolves. Instead of feeding the sheep like shepherds, you're devouring the sheep like wolves. And Jesus sees the same thing. No one fighting for the sheep. No one protecting the sheep. No one feeding the sheep. And oh, how much this should be a charge to pastors in our day. No, we're in this not for ourselves and not for our career and not for some upward mobility in the church system or the denominational structure, but we're in this for the glory of God and for the health of his people, to feed, to protect, to fight, and to defend them. Five hundred years ago, the reformers knew it was necessary to fight. They knew it was necessary to stand. In our time, we need fighters. We need those who will stand. Now listen, I'm not talking about being a quarrelsome jerk on social media or to anyone else you meet. Again, I'm not talking about fighting over politics or secondary issues or tertiary matters of doctrine, but fighting for the primary core truths of the faith. When we're tempted to compromise... When we're tempted to water the message down, we say no. And like Luther, we look at a culture who increasingly puts pressure on churches and Christians to change their message and to change the Word of God to suit the whims of the culture. And we look at them like Luther said, and we say, Here I stand. I can do no other. God help us. What's at stake here? The truth is at stake. The gospel is at stake. The word of God is at stake. The glory of God. Not his intrinsic glory which he has in himself, but that which he deserves from us. The glory of God is at stake. When we tamper with that message, when we tamper with the core of the gospel, then we are tampering with salvation itself. Because we're making it harder for people to understand what it means to be made right with God. When we water down the message and compromise the Word of God, we're not doing anyone any favors. As nice and loving and merciful as the culture would say that is, we're actually harming them because we're not telling them where salvation can actually be found, we're not telling them what justification is all about when we do that we lose the gospel and we lose the gospel we lose the truth about sin and hell we lose the truth about Christ we lose the truth about salvation through him and so we fail to tell people that there's judgment coming and this is where you can find refuge we fail to tell them that God's wrath is coming and if you want to escape it and live and survive And have eternal life, there is a refuge, but there's only one refuge. The Lord Jesus Christ. And rather than leading them to the rock of Christ, we actually lead them headlong into hell. Luther was so overcome by his guilt, by his sin, by this inability to find peace with God, Until he found refuge in Christ. Until he saw that it is by faith that the righteous shall live. Until he saw that we are not justified by the works of the law, but by faith that is in Christ. And there Luther found hope and salvation and refuge, not in his own works, not in his own self-righteousness, not in his own purchase of salvation through some church or some priest but in Christ alone and that is why we must fight so that the people of God might know the truth that is in Jesus and so unbelievers might know the truth that is in Jesus so that we might tell them there's a storm coming Here is where you find refuge. We must fight for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints because it's the only message we have and it's the only gospel that God has given. When Moses asked to see the glory of God, God knew what would happen if Moses saw his glory. He would die, vaporized at a moment. And so God says, okay, Moses, I will let you see my glory as it passes by. But even then, I'm going to have to put you in the cleft of this rock and cover it with my, my hand. And even the glimpse that Moses got caused his face to shine So that the people were terrified and Moses had to go around with this veil on his face because his face was shining with the glory of the backside of God. Salvation is just that. If we were to stand before the glory of God right now in our sin, there would be no hope of escape for you or me. Certain judgment and certain condemnation. But God has provided a rock, God has provided a place for us to hide, the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ, who through his death makes sinners right with God, so that when we stand before God as he sits on his judgment throne, we have a rock in which to hide, the rock of Christ. That's the message we have for a sinful world. And if we don't fight, God can close the church. We see churches all around that have closed and boarded up and gone on to do something else because they lost the gospel. We must fight for the gospel when it's necessary, when it's for the gospel, when it's for the church. Here we stand. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, which brings clarity to our confusion. Point us today to the rock of Christ. That salvation is found in him and in him alone. That our attention to the law, our emotions, our tears, our religious exercises could never save. Thou must save and thou alone. God, if there are unbelievers in this room today, I ask that the gospel has penetrated their heart and that the Holy Spirit, even right now, is convicting them of their sin, granting them faith and repentance, and drawing them to Christ. Let it be today for people, even today in this room, who are unbelievers, that they would come to know Jesus right now. And for those of us who are saved, help us to find our refuge in Christ and to rejoice that we have a refuge in him. God, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for faithful men who have defended it and fought for it over the centuries. It's the reason we're here today. Help us to be the reason generations from now are still believing this old, old story of Jesus and his love. Give us grace for this hour, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.